0: Welcome back everybody to the Brews and Belters podcast where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some local brews You can find our podcast here on Spotify each Tuesday night or Wednesday morning You can also interact with us on Twitter and Instagram at Brews and Belters My name is Keegan Gowitz, and tonight I'm sipping on a Kettle Logic Amber Ale um, Pretty tasty, 5.6, nothing to you know write home about but pretty good brew after last week's was a little bit disappointing The only My only harsh rating um, of the pod so far was last week, so good bounce back week. Um, As always, I'm joined by Toby Hienefeld. Toby, how you doing tonight and what you sipping on?
1: Jigs, I'm doing great, and I have a Snake Hollow IPA from Potosi, brewed at Beers' hometown in uh, Potosi, Wisconsin. Says right here, Potassi, Wisconsin is where beer is crafted, and that craft is celebrated at the National Beer Museum. The beer you hold was brewed in that town by its fine people in a small batch with the finest ingredients. We are Potassi, we are Beer's home.
0: We are Potassi, we are Beer's home. Love it.
1: Yeah, very, very, very southwest Wisconsin, uh, right on the Illinois, Iowa. Kind of the Bermuda Triangle of the Midwest. <laughs> you do not want to be stuck there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Word, you do not. Um, I heard when you get relegated, that's where you go. So uh, <laughs> we'll see Sheffield United there pretty soon. Um, tonight we're going to talk just very briefly Premier League. Um, we are going to talk a little Tottenham City, and then we're going to get into a bit of Champions League and kind of discuss this uh, this Swiss system that will be coming. 2024-2025, so um, just to kick it off, very briefly, um, Liverpool, opportunity to pop back into the top four this weekend, um, late equalizer to Newcastle for a 1-1 draw, uh, whisker away from a 2-1 loss, uh, had a had a, a goal, um, brought back for offside, uh, Newcastle that is, so um, rough weekend for, for Liverpool fans, not looking good. Um, and then let's talk Tottenham City a little bit. Tobes, I know you want to uh, touch on that. I think it's worth touching on because that game was an absolute thrashing. Go ahead and take it away.
1: Thank you, Keegan. Uh, yeah, EFL Cup, Carabao Cup. Uh, Carabao is like the monster energy drink of the Middle <laughs> East, um, in case uh, any of our American listeners are listening. Uh, <clears throat> cool thing about this game, not only was it a cup that uh, my Tottenham Hotspurs were a part of, um, but it had fans uh, first time in a couple months. Yeah. Um, they had 8,000. I want to say they're playing at Wembley Stadium in London. And I want to say it holds 60,000 or maybe even more than that. But they had 8,000. So you're expecting them to be like somewhat social distance. But no, they stuck them in like pretty much 10, se- <laughs> 10 sections all on one side <laughs> of the stadium for like camera views. Absolutely
0: so- shocking how they did that. They showed the bowl. They showed the entire stadium at one point, I think at halftime. And I'm thinking, okay, if they would have done this intelligently and actually socially distanced these people, they probably could have had 20,000 in there safely. But no, they said, hey, we're only going to have 8,000 and we're going to put them right on top of each other.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And so, I mean, once you get past that, it was just like watching Band of Brothers where like fucking – Manchester City was just shellacking. They were bombarding Tottenham the entire fucking game. And there was nothing that Tottenham could do. I felt bad because they actually felt like they wanted to go out there and do it. And this is almost the same team four months ago that beat them 2-0. And, yeah. like, and it was to the point where everyone was like, Tottenham's the team to beat this year. Nope, not anymore. And I just I feel like there was so much left out there. And I feel like this is Daniel Levy pretty much telling them to play Harry Winks when Harry Winks should not be played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it wasn't the system I was wanting. But it doesn't matter what system you're playing when you're playing against Manchester City and they are on. Like they weren't just on. They were like that was the best performance I've seen by an English Premier team this year. And yeah, it was. I felt bad for Eric Dyer and Toby Aldo Vital. Like they just continually were yelling and screaming like, hey, we need help, we need this, we need this, we need this. And they didn't get a single damn thing from anyone. There was no playing out of the back. There was no courage. Like Instead of playing up and trying to get a through ball or anything up front through the midfield or through the forwards, they just continued to pretty much play back. And I felt like the midfield were playing back to the fullbacks and the fullbacks were just like, think you Thinking it around, and then they were gaining turnovers nonstop.
0: Yeah, and it was was interesting to watch, too. Um, You know, Jose leaves, and they come out. They have an opportunity as a team who isn't going to finish in the top four. They're out of the Champions League. They're out of the FA Cup. And they have the opportunity to bring home a little silverware, um, you know, kind of salvage the season. And again, Jose just left. It's an opportunity for a little bit of rebirth. Um, for a little bit of positivity in the club. And they come out and play exactly how they played when Jose was there. And it's just like, why not switch it up? Why not go for the win? No one expects you to beat City. So if you go out and get thrashed 3-0, 4-0, like, it, at least put that effort to play attacking, to go out there and look for a win and end up getting beat 3 or 4-0, rather than playing to to hopefully take it to penalties and you still end up losing anyway. Um, It was kind of surprising to me that with all the chances and and, uh, possession that City had, especially early on, um, that it was only 1-0, and a lot of that is credit to the fact that Pep plays that style where if you aren't passing it into the net from three yards out, don't shoot. makes you wonder how many goals City would put up on people if they just had the green light to just take rips at any moment. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just kind of disappointing uh, for, no, I told for, for Tottenham to have a chance to go out and, and really try and, you know, bring a title back, bring some silverware back and, and sort of bring some brightness to what's been a disappointing season.
1: So what do you, what do you think about Jose? Do you think he was just relishing being like the, I freaking told you, you guys can't win it without me. Like, I mean, he was fired. Six days before this game. Yeah, six days with enough time for the new guy to come in, Mason, who's 29, and have him give two what two training sessions and then a game on a Wednesday and then come back Saturday or Sunday and play. Like seemed like a quick turnaround. I mean, I get it. Like you had to you had to do it, but. Yeah, I just do I feel like Jose was just all about like, I told you guys so. Like, you know, he did too. So Jose had his
0: he had his Twitter fingers ready, but like someone, like his wife or someone close to him, was like uh, held, holding onto his phone or had it locked or something like deactivated for the day or some shit. Where it, he thought he was tweeting or he thought that he was like sending out messages, but it was just totally deactivated. That's my theory. <laughs>
1: so, I uh, I mean. From a Tottenham's perspective, I think we've got all that. It was just getting shellacked, getting shit on the entire time. But from a City perspective, uh, there was one or two chances. Like, I'm saying one or two. Like, there wasn't many chances Tottenham had. But there was one. I forget who even took it. But it was a great take. And Zach Steffen stepped up and had a great save. And honestly, he had a great game, a great tournament. And Zach Steffen, like... For not having any playing time, he delivers when he does get the playing time, um, which is good to see from a United States perspective with a rooting interest in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: the other thing that I noticed, Marez looked amazing, but you're right. Like I felt like he was passing when he should have been shooting. Uh, Gummigan didn't really do much for me, and then the main thing is, is a uh, I think I'm just a Phil Foden hater. Like I don't know why. Am I dumb to, to do that? Like I don't
0: like him. <laughs> I tend to, and it's just because it's my brother. But um, to all those who who aren't listening, um, my brother is is Ben, who I'm referencing here. Um, ben loves Harry Kane and Phil Foden, and so just being his younger brother, I tend to shit on the players that he gets hyped up about. Um, but <laughs> so I tried to shit on Phil Foden for a little while, but he's just incredible. Um, I I think he's an elite. Level of talent where I I think that that like next big three, those that 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 next you know generation to keep your eye on I think is made up of obviously Erling Holland and Kylian Mbappe but I I think Foden might have the the level of talent to be thrown in with those two I think he's that good and he's got wow. arguably the greatest manager ever. That has been grooming him for the last couple of years and and will continue to as you would imagine he'll stay there.
1: And and shout out to that because we're about ready to talk some Chelsea and Chelsea does not do that they do not groom. I mean what it's like the one the one bright star in this whole thing was Mason Mount for Chelsea and like for them to stick with Phil Foden this entire time. I mean Phil Foden's finally coming into his own like this year and maybe a little bit of last year, but Phil Foden's been with them for. Three plus years i want to say he's been on their their first team roster yeah so yeah definitely definitely contrasting uh ways of player development with city i mean don't get me wrong city loaves everyone out as well but for them to stick with phil Foden and see his potential and for them for it to come into fruition right in front of my very eyes on my couch as they were just thrashing Tottenham was uh, definitely beautiful so i think
0: that's a uh, uh... A big tip of the hat to Pep too, and just that culture that he brings, being a former Barcelona player, former Barcelona manager, um, kind of having that La Masia uh, mindset and way of doing things. You know, obviously Barcelona bring a lot of players in, but he kind of came up in that generation. He was managing, uh, you know, their B side and then their A side in that generation of, you know, Iniesta's and Javi's and Busquets and Messi's that. That came up through uh, through La Masia. so um, I think he obviously one has an eye for identifying talent, and then two has the confidence to know, okay, I can ma- I can take this player to the next level, and you know I think he identified that with Foden and and uh, knew that you know that was a player to hold on to, and that if he guided him, he could he could steer him in the right direction. So shout out to Pep, he's yeah. unbelievable.
1: No, definitely, and you're not getting that from uh, Tottenham, especially with their coaching update. With uh, Julian Nagelman going to Bayern Munich, it's uh, officially agreed upon as of yesterday or today, I want to say. So, I mean, I don't know where they're going to go. Like, I don't really care who they get. Just get someone who's competent. You know, uh, I asked their Eric uh, Ten Hog, uh, Ten Hog. Uh, he has been linked to them. So has Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers would be an idiot to take that position. Yeah, like why would you leave Leicester? Leicester, my in my opinion, is a sexier a sexier position and a sexier uh, club over the last two or three years. Yeah, um, Roberto Martinez, who we saw in Champions League uh, for CBS, um, he's the current Belgium national. He's also coach Swansea and Everton, and then uh, Garrett Southgate. Those are kind of the guys that they have right now. And I really don't care for any of them, nor do I, like, I, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I think anything's better than nothing. I think just having a full season of practicing a different system that actually allows you to do drills in the final third offensively, I think that will help them. So, so I mean, anything at this point is good. So, yeah. uh, that is the uh, roundup of coaching updates for Tottenham Hospers uh, for uh, Podcast 18. And I'll keep going, and I'll, I'll get you guys next rumors next week, too.
0: And then to wrap up a couple of the matches that we watched this weekend, um, Chelsea with a nice 1-0 win over West Ham. I think uh, you know that, that's not a scoreline that screams, you know, oh my God. Um, but to, to keep a clean sheet against West Ham with the way they've been playing right now, I think is really impressive. I think it speaks really well to where Chelsea's at as a club and where they've been. Um, besides the, the West Brom you know, 5-2 thrashing that was just kind of a random result thrown into their last you know, 15, 16 matches in all competitions, um, however many it's been since Tuchel took over. Uh, I think it just speaks to the way they've been playing. They go out with a plan. They go out, they grab a goal, and then they defend. It actually reminds me a lot of how Tottenham were playing at the beginning of the season when Jose first took over. And they were getting away with going out, snagging a goal on the counter, um, and then just defending and just playing well enough to see how to win. I do think Chelsea are a little bit more attacking than Tottenham were early in the season. You know, they attacked throughout the match. Uh, they probably should be winning these matches that they that they win 1-0. They should be winning a maybe 2-0 if Timo Werner could finish a sitter. Uh, but he can't. So <laughs> I actually feel bad shitting on Timo Werner at this point. Obviously, something's going on there mentally, but um, regardless, I'm straying from the point. They're playing well. Tuchel's got an idea in mind each match, and they go out and they accomplish that. Um, and I don't know if you have any more thoughts about that match, Toby. But I, I think that transitions pretty well into the Champions League match today.
1: I I have two quick ones. So I have to, I, I'm actually going to shit on Timo Werner twice tonight. And this will be my first one, so he did get a goal. Go, good, good for him! Like, congratulations, got that start with Christian Pulisic up top. Um, but his second miss was a one of those striker positions where you're—it's literally you and the goalie, and the ball comes in, and the goalie deflects it perfectly to you, and he still missed it. And I was like, dude, this guy isn't just snake bitten at this point. I feel like, like this is like more than that. Like, it's not unlucky. It's in his head. I feel bad for him. Like, he's he has a ton of pressure to play for, like, Germany, to play for Chelsea, and then to have all this, like, microcosming one, one after another. It's, it's kind of shitty, but, I mean, it is what it is. It's Chelsea, so you can only be so upset about it. You know, if it was Christian Pulisic, I'd definitely be upset about it because it's a steamer. <laughs> I don't really care. Um, they can always bench him and stick someone else in there. That's almost equally as good. Uh, the other big thing that I want to talk about real quick about this is just VAR, uh, there was one play in, in particular where a defender from West Ham was clearing the ball, and the wing back of Chelsea, uh, Ben Chilwell, was up, and the West Ham player cleared the ball, and on his follow-through, I mean, this is sec- not even seconds, this is like milliseconds, uh, cleated Ben Chilwell like what else is he supposed to do not touch the ball the West team defender but he did and he went through the leg after the fact I I mean yeah you give him a yellow for cleaning but I don't think you send him off and they actually went to VAR and they deemed that a red card um and it was just a bad look with all the other VAR issues that have been going on especially that day there was a few that were 50-50 on the offsides and then Like what you were saying earlier in the Newcastle Liverpool, where the ball jumped up and hit the player uh, from Newcastle before he scored the goal, and like it was kind of one of those plays, like the ball ran on him. He didn't run on the ball, nor did he try to. You know, if he would have, he probably would have moved his arm out of the way. So it was just a bad look for VAR, and I think they will change that. And I think coming next next year, they were going to allow some sort of. review on challenges like something like that um i mean this one went against him and it shouldn't have but there i think there's going to be just some of the rules in place when it comes to that
0: yeah yeah i think there needs to be some reevaluating this season and to be fair there will probably be more reevaluating the season after that but to me it's like one of those things where the frustrating thing with it is we haven't really seen it improve and i get that it's not going to be fixed overnight it's not probably like i said even to be fixed over a season Um, but as long as you start seeing improvements, that's really all, all I want, um, is, is to see notable improvements and it, it doesn't feel like we've gotten that over the last year, year and a half. Um, so yeah, hopefully some of those conversations will happen. Um, obviously refereeing is a really difficult job, but this was implemented to make it easier and it just seems to add more frustration. Um, so Yeah. Um, But anyway, we're going to discuss um, today's Champions League performance. Chelsea won, Real Madrid won. Um, And I I just wanted to mention, you know, kind of following Tuchel's Tuchel's sort of plan for each match. And and I think Chelsea came out really, really strong. Um, This is a match that I was kind of watching on and off at work. Uh, But the first 20, 25 minutes they were attacking, they were up in Real's face. Um, Pulisic gets a goal. Bad I, I think pretty bad defending. Um but really good oh, comp- terrible defending. But really good composure by him as well. Um, I thought. So um the two center backs, I'm Varon and I'm forgetting who, who was partnered with him, but ball comes through over the top. Uh they track back. Both center backs run, you know, instinctively to the goal, thinking that, that Pulisic's through um that's where they got to communicate one has to cover goal one has to go close out the ball Pulisic takes kind of a long touch to his left takes a minute to recover but because both defenders run to the posts to the goal line um, he has a minute to completely stop completely turn his body 180 degrees face the goal and then once he squares up the goalkeeper he has the opportunity to take a big touch to his right and then he pops one in and props to him for staying composed, for having the the presence of mind to you know, to get past the keeper, to slot one in with a pretty crowded goal, but just not great communication in the back line from Real, a goal that probably could have been prevented. But again, Chelsea come out, they attack, they put pressure on them early, and they grab an early goal. So props to them for that.
1: Yeah, the, the American dream, wet dream, Captain America, long hair, don't care, he... He got the ball, and he even said this in an interview afterwards, he got the ball and turned and realized both defenders were shading off him so much that he realized it was 1v1 him against the goalie, with both guys pretty much going back to the touchline of the goal. And it was like, at that point it was over, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was just, yeah, I was so happy for him, and you could tell like afterwards when he ran, he didn't run towards the team at first, he ran directly towards the bench to like celebrate with the coaches and stuff, because... He's, he's on a tear right now. I want to say he has four goals in six games with them and he's like an everyday starter for them. Like he's he hasn't missed a starting match the last three or four games and I, I think he is the the number one forward for them right now over Timo Werner, over Kai Havertz, over Olivier Giroud who I was hoping Olivier Giroud would get some, some playing time in this game for the simple fact that uh, Benzema called him a go-kart not a Ferrari like a month ago and I was like, like that's the shit I live for. Like Let's get Olivier Giroud in there and like act like he's driving a go kart when he scores a goal right past Benzema. <laughs> like I wanted that, and I think we were cheated. Luckily,
0: we have one more game next week for that to possibly happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for a for a Van Persie type diving header from uh, from him to uh, from Giroud to to kind of rub things in on Benzema. But yeah, you have got two very different French personalities there. You got Benzema who's Who's all swag, all drip. And then you got Giroud, who's like evolved into like the proper, like good looking, like pretty well mannered, like veteran, you know, um, fun little rivalry. I do feel like we got cheated and and I hope we see that in the second leg. But yeah, Benzema, speaking of, um, came back kind of in the right place at the right time, kind of not um, kind of just being a striker in there by the six yard box uh, off a corner. Um, good positioning, played it really well off his chest and then quick reaction to to play it down quickly to his feet, caught it on the volley and just all power from about five, six yards out. Uh, and really good presence of mind. I don't know if it was Asensio, I forget who was in front of him, but they had like a fraction of a second to duck their head. Otherwise they would have essentially become a defender and, and, and deflected it. And they got out of the way and blocked the goalkeeper in the process. So uh, that might have been the most impressive part of the goal, actually, for me. <laughs> but um, I was gonna say
1: that that goal was awesome, and it was like what all of us dream of, but we can never achieve. Like the ball was kind of hanging up there, and he like pretty much turned his back and like pretty much karate chopped it back into the goal, and it went directly right shoulder over the keeper. Yeah, and yeah, it was a it was a beautiful goal, and honestly, like my whole takeaway on all of this was Chelsea like came out and just was shellacking them the first thirty minutes of the game. Like it was all Chelsea, and Pulisic looked like he was the best player for Chelsea, so he was the best player on the pitch in my opinion at that time. But he slowly tapered off, and I think as he slowly tapered off, and some of the other forwards like they slowly started to let Real Madrid back in. And don't get me wrong, Real Madrid is good, but Real Madrid is not the Real Madrid you guys all think of when you think of Real Madrid. Like, they are a shell of them old selves. Uh, yeah, they just weren't up to snuffed compared to the normal. And they they did get the equalizer for 1-1, but at the end of the day, I mean, they were playing in Spain. So uh, Chelsea, technically, that, in my in my eyes, that's a 2-1 for Chelsea. So now Real Madrid have to go out and win. They can't just equal you know, next this next leg, uh, they have to go out and get a get a victory. So
0: interesting too. Um, I meant to look a little bit more into this, but they weren't playing at the Bernabeu; they were playing at um, another Spanish stadium. Um, and I I'll have to look in. Like I said, I didn't read up on it a bunch, but I'm curious what the reasoning is for that. Um, not sure if that was like a COVID thing. I mean, no fans, so I don't know why it would be, but. Um, just something that I had noticed while watching the match uh, and I thought was a little bit odd. And then especially in a competition where you bring, you know, home goals and away goals into it, uh, I just thought that was sort of interesting and, and strange to me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, a good point. Chelsea get out of there with a the draw. Uh, I think they'll be maybe not ecstatic with that, but I think they'll be pretty happy with that. I think they'll be pretty content.
1: Oh, no, definitely. the The other major thing was the second shitting of team of on this podcast This right was during this game there was a point where like you get on twitter and everyone's like he missed this shot like he he had it again like i felt bad for him but like dude it's like all the time he's missing shots. and not only that but it was an assist from christian bliswick and i wanted that assist i wanted the goal and the assist and like you don't even worry about them getting one goal and like going away with equal when you you're clinical in the box and he's just not right now. So that's
0: what I'm saying, man. They're they're getting these one-one draws, these one-zero wins, and they could be two-zero, two-one, three-one. You know, if he finishes these easy, these easy chances, and I part of me does feel bad for him because obviously it's got to be mental at this point because um, he he was criticized when he first came over for his you know he's got great pace, he's athletic. Um, he can get through, you know, in Germany. He could, he could get through for that 1v1 chance. But even then, he was criticized for not being a great finisher. He's just a guy who can get through for good chances. But he's not even missing opportunities that, you know, uh, an average finisher misses. It's not like that he doesn't have that that top finisher, um, you know, skill set. He's missing opportunities that, like, you or me could bag if we were given them, you know. Like he—he's missing truly sitters from in close, uncontested, not a whole lot of pressure. So that—that that makes me realize that it is totally a mental thing going on right now. And I feel for him being down like that. Um, at the same time, he's what 26 and and making millions and and starting for Chelsea despite not even being in good form. Um, so it's tough to feel super bad for him, but I, I do feel for the guy. Um, it is a mental game and when you get that English press mixed in, you know, breathing down your neck, it's a lot to deal with. And I, I hope, um, you know, like mental health has been brought up quite a bit over the past few seasons. Like I, I hope the guy's all right. You know, I hope it's, I hope it's truly just a, a mental thing on the pitch. I, you know, I, I hope off the pitch, like the guy's doing okay. Because he's truly yeah. missing some game match-changing opportunities for a big club. Um,
1: could, could you imagine if Timo Pukki played for Chelsea? Like, <laughs> what that would be?
0: <laughs> Toby, I just went so deep hoping that Timo Werner is mentally stable right now. And you just immediately go to Pukki.
1: <laughs> That's where my brain goes. Which I, like, I actually
0: appreciate. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, so who do you like in the next in, when they're back in London playing?
0: Honestly, man, I think Chelsea. Just uh, I think they got the juice right now, um, and I think they'll find a way. I th- I think that it'll. Uh, I could see a one zero or a two one win, um, even though they don't need it. I, a, a draw will do. Um, most likely, a draw will do. Um, I I think they'll win. I really do. It's tough to say that too. Like you mentioned, Real isn't the same Real we saw four or five years ago. But they still have a lot of that quality. They still have a lot of that experience. You know, Casemiro, Modric, Benzema, those guys that just have that experience. They're bona fide winners, especially within the Champions League. It's really tough to bet against them. But Chelsea just look really, really, really promising right
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, before we go on to the PSG City, uh, Sergio Ramos wasn't playing today either. Like that—that that right. is a hole. That's a that's a legit hole uh, Real Madrid has without him being playing, without him being out there playing. But I mean, I don't know if he's going to be back for the next round. But I mean, it's what it is. So
0: yeah, yeah. Let's move on. What do we? Uh, what do you expect to see, or what do you hope to see? I guess um, either or in tomorrow's match between PSG, um, last year's runners-up, against Manchester City, arguably the hottest team on the planet
1: right now? So if you told me Chelsea, Real Madrid, PSG, City, I'm like, sign me up. I'm all for it. Yep. But PSG and City, I think, are currently the two best teams in the world. And uh, I've been saying this for quite a while about City – um, but since Posh took over for PSG, like, they've looked like a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with this exact matchup is that, I mean, this is new territory for City. Like, even Tottenham's been there before. Liverpool was there last year, or two years ago. Um, both last year and two years ago. Uh, but is in the semifinals for the first time, uh, under Pep. So, a lot going on, um... The main things I will say is that uh, it's a lot of attacking talent with uh, Mahrez, Foden, Kevin De Bruyne, Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria. Like, it's star-studded. Like, there's a ton of good players out there. Um, I'm not saying there isn't in Chelsea, Real Madrid. Just like I'm not saying there's not as much pressure. But I think PSG and City both have more pressure as well for Pep to perform. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, they're gonna win the. Uh, Premier League this year, but I think the Champions League is worth more now than it ever has been, especially with this whole super group fallout. Um, and which, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, Real Madrid has not said they're not a part of the, of the uh, Super League. Like They're still flowing in the Super League. Uh, yeah. Quantum realm right now, you know? They're in limbo. Them,
0: they're in purgatory yeah. right now. Super League purgatory, yeah. <laughs> them,
1: them and Tony Stark, so... <laughs> I, I do think PSG and City have more have more pressure on them um poch tino has proven that he can beat pep in high stakes games um case in point tottenham uh, i'm just gonna drop that right there uh so yeah i mean me personally as a rooting fan i usually would root for city being a premier league over psg because up until a couple months ago i've hated psg always but uh now that Pacchettino is the coach there. Like, I'm finding him kind of sexy, and, like, I really like Mbappe, and I really like Neymar. Uh, Di is on his way out, probably to Tottenham. Who knows? Um, And, yeah, there's a lot going on that uh, I just really like. I really like PSG, uh, so I don't know. I I, I think tomorrow's game is probably going to be a draw, and it's going to be for all the marbles the next game. But uh, I expect it to be at least a 2-2 game is what I'm kind of expecting. So,
0: Yeah, just to kind of echo what you said, I think the stakes are incredibly high. Um, Pep obviously has seen a ton of domestic success with City, um, brought Champions League glory to to Barca, but you get the sense that that's City's real goal and and has been their goal. You know, obviously the Premier League's huge for them, and and they've, like I said, have had success there, but um, they've definitely had those shortcomings in the Champions League. And same with PSG. Like, over the past few years, you've got the sense, okay, 1 gets shit on for being a farmers league. Um you get the sense that this squad was has been built uh similar to Juve in past years. Juve's been gunning for a Champions League cuz they were dominant in Serie A. PSG's in a similar situation where it's it's kind of getting to that point where it's like all right Champions League or bust, you know. De, is, De Maria is is going to be on his way out eventually like is Mbappé going to stay? Is Neymar going to stay? Are they going to keep this core group together? And it feels like Poch has been the glue for that. And so Two teams that are, one, like you said, probably the two best teams in the world right now. And just so much at stake for them with this competition. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And similar to you, I've been really excited to see Poch take this team over. Um, and I, I've, I've criticized PSG in the past because I don't think they've really embraced that, that big game or that big tournament mentality despite... You know, making that Champions League run last year, I didn't feel like they were—they really, truly posed a threat to Bayern in the final, and it feels a little bit different this year. It feels like they—they they might be able to go all the way, and I think this is the biggest test for them. Um, so I think it's really, really an an intriguing matchup, and I think I hope it lives up to it. I hope they don't come out. Um, you know, I hope they don't come out playing for a draw. I don't think either team will. I don't think that's their style. I think Pep will be very, very, um, strategic and that may lead to, you know, less goals. I could see a 1-1 a one, one or a 0-0 zero, zero draw just because of the way that they manipulate the game, the way they control the game. Um, I hope not. I hope it, I hope we do get a 2-2 two, two draw or, 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 you know, at least a, you know, three goals altogether split, um. But just the, with the way they play, I could see a 1-0 or a 1-1 one one or something like that. So really, really interested. Uh, probably won't get a lot of work done tomorrow, at least not in the afternoon. <laughs> so I'm uh, going to try and watch as much as I can because I'm really, really excited for this matchup.
1: So with this matchup and with Chelsea Real Madrid, with the Super League fallout, Keeks, what, what has happened with with uh, the Champions League going forward in the next like two or so years?
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the Swiss system. Um, 2024, 2025. Uh, obviously, UEFA and FIFA came out came down pretty hard on the Super League, which is great. We talked about that last week. Love to see those statements. Love to see them. You know, looking to penalize these clubs if they go through with it. Um, but we did warn everyone last week. At the same time, UEFA and FIFA are UEFA and FIFA, and they're money grubbing entities as well. Um, with their best interest in mind at the end of the day. So while they've aligned with the fans and while they've you know they've they've been on their power to the people shit uh over the last week, they've also continued on with their uh their cash grab as well, which is switching it up uh in 2024, 2025 to the Swiss system. So basically in short, uh the 32 team cup style group league uh will, will now be a 36 team league. Uh, fixtures determined by will be t- determined by a seed system, so each of those 36 teams will play five home and five away matches. Uh, the top eight teams, that will be a regular point system, like your, your typical domestic league. Top eight teams will move forward to a second round. The remaining 16 will then enter a playoff, with the top eight emerging teams um, joining the, the top eight from, from the first round. Uh, for a round of 16 there in the second. Um, so basically, it's just going to add a shit, shitload more games. Um, it's, you're adding opportunities for teams to stay in the league after a bad first round. Uh, so no more, you know, group league fallout for, you know, Juventus or, you know, Barcelona or whoever have a bad group league uh, or a, a, a bad, uh, you know, group round. They get, they get kicked out immediately. Now they have the opportunity to play back in. Um, you're also allowing more opportunity for, you know, European giants to clash because of that, um, which is great, I guess, from a viewing standpoint, but at the same time, it's, it's truly just a cash grab. Um, and with that part of the beauty of the, the, the competition is removed with, you know, an Ajax knocking out a city or a Tottenham or a Real or whatever, there's just a little bit less opportunity for that. Or I guess it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, they might have to beat those, those big giants, you know two times instead of one or three times instead of two and so on. Um, On top of that, uh, we we discussed kind of the UEFA or the the European coefficient, whatever they're calling it. So automatic bids have changed. Uh, Ligue 1 will get one more auto bid. Um, So, you know, that takes the place of like a top Russian or Croatian or other European league side getting a bid after a great season. Um, It'll be based on um, a lot of these automatic bids will be – based on overall performance over the last like three or four seasons, I believe, or maybe even five. Um, So basically a way to allow a team, actually this season's a great uh, great example. So like Liverpool or Tottenham probably won't finish in the top four in in the Premier League this season. Um, But if this Swiss system were to be implemented next year rather than 2024, 2025, uh, one of those two teams would probably get an automatic bid to the Champions League. Uh, which gives these big clubs a pass um, and kind of bones these smaller European clubs out of an opportunity, even though those smaller clubs may have had a great season where they finished top of their league or, you know, second in their league. Um, You're giving a club like Liverpool or Tottenham who have dramatically underperformed an easy route into the Champions League, which is uh, really, really disappointing. Obviously, I'm a Liverpool supporter, you're a Tottenham supporter, we want to see them in this, but at the same time, I'm looking at Liverpool like, we don't fucking deserve to be in this, we deserve to go play in, in you know, the European Cup if we even make it, you know, into the top six at yeah. this point, you know, so.
1: No, definitely, uh, team's like, I'm trying to think of like a weird one, like Anfield or a Geng from a, like the Belgian League, like a team that's okay, you know, they're, they belong in Europa, but they're going to get screwed over. When they technically should be qualifying for this, but they're not, since there's teams like Tottenham.
0: Yeah, even even you look at a club like Shakhtar Donetsk, who's who's kind of become a a little bit of a Champions League staple. Um, you know, they've had a season or two where they've made nice little runs. Other than that, they're just kind of a group, uh, you know, a, a grouply, uh, you know, a, a group table team. Um, they don't always make it out of the groups, or maybe they'll make it to the round of sixteen and then get bounced. But you know, teams like that we might not be seeing in. In uh, the Champions League anymore so um, just a lot of change and again it's it's all for the sake of uh, adding more matches um, giving those sponsors a little bit more exposure um, getting all-new TV deals um, adding to those subscriptions I'm sure eventually we'll have another subscription to pay for uh, to watch these matches so it, it truly is just a cash grab and, and to see UEFA come out and condemn the Super League and then turn around and be like, oh, by the way, we're going to keep going through with this Swiss system for the sake of money. We're going to add, you know, X amount of games um, to these players who are already exhausted after probably the most, you know, physically tol- and emo- emotionally tolling season in, in soccer history. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and tack a few more matches on because uh, we want some more money. So, pretty disappointing altogether. Uh, I think that it is both of our boos for this week for sure.
1: Um, that that is exactly why after we had our long rant at the beginning of last episode, where I was like, at first I was cool with this, like take take the power away from FIFA. Like FIFA, people don't realize that FIFA's dirty as shit. Like they are. Oh yeah. Like they are so. Like, uh, can you imagine? I mean, you can because you see the Olympics. But like right now, the and FIFA in and, uh, Qatar, like there is hundreds of people dying every day or every week, every month. You know, at the at the facilities there, and no one cares. Like FIFA doesn't care. Like they just want to get it done. Like there is so much going on that's why like this whole like kneeling for racism thing is not it's not going to really do anything until like the players actually make a stand themselves i feel like you
0: know, and, in, and, and and until you know yeah i mean it's great that the players are you know becoming more vocal but at the end of the day even with that you know we, we talked about super league it was like i'd love to see the players take a strike if it came to that but it if they're not As responsible, in my opinion, of course, I would love to see them take that responsibility and shoulder that responsibility, and I think a lot of them would because we see a lot of these players speak out, and I think that a lot of them have a a strong moral compass. But at the end of the day, it needs to be the people put into these positions of power that are running FIFA, that are running UEFA, that are running Super League. We need these people to have a conscience. We need the people running FIFA who are building these stadiums to have a conscience and say, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna put people, these workers, in these conditions where they're dying to build these stadiums. And that's what really needs to change and it's tough to do that because it's such a, a gulp or it's such a a, a gulf in um, in class and and finance and everything where they have all that power and they just keep that power and it, it continues to be handed off to the people who have the most money and the least you know the least morality um and I think that's what really has to change uh within the game and you see that everywhere you see that here in the states Jack brought up the great the great point last week that we can condemn the super league all we want over here in America, but at the same time, we have a super league in the m l s we have you know franchises in the m l s of course the quality play sucks, so uh they aren't gonna get you know, the same viewership that a Super League in Europe would get, but it's the same system, it's the same idea, and it's the same creed that powers it. So, it's kind of what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, that's like, I mean, at the end of the day, most of the owners who were American wanting to be a part of the Super League were NFL owners, and the franchising is what they're about. Right. You know, where everyone gets the same amount of dollars, and, yeah, it's just, it's a bunch of shit. Uh, It's ruining the sport, and... Especially in MLS, so
0: yeah. So, shall we move on? Do you have any cheers to bring us back up, Toby? (laughs) Because
1: I don't. I got a few (laughs) cheers actually, Keeks. Perfect. Um, Here's the first one. Not necessarily a huge cheer, but uh, our boy Neymar is the first playable athlete in Fortnite. Um, Might not seem like a lot, but when there's millions of kids playing Fortnite. uh yeah it's definitely a huge thing uh my nephew actually loves Neymar and it was originally because he could have the Neymar jersey in Fortnite, but now he can actually play as Neymar um so I don't know what other athletes are going to be a part of this but uh yeah Neymar is definitely the first one uh, as a playable athlete in Fortnite. so that is my first cheer my second cheer is for uh Javier Chicharito Hernandez, and uh, he is back um, officially in the MLS with uh, the LA Galaxy, and he has five goals in two games, including a hat-trick. Um, looks like he's having fun. I remember him playing in uh, uh, Manchester United and a few other teams as well, and uh, Chicharito was just always like a really good, prominent player um, in CONCACAF uh, playing for Mexico. And for him to continue to look like he's having fun and really enjoying playing for the MLS, is just a, it, it's a joy to watch, especially when you see like all the dudes in like Miami and in New York and stuff, and they have like, bona fide names, but the, those bona fide names just aren't really coming to fruition when it comes to talent. And uh, Chicharito is the exception to the point where I think he will still be on Mexico's uh, international team. like. I don't think him moving back to the states really ruined his career. If anything, it's given him the confidence to realize he can still do it. So
0: yeah, actually, real quick, I mentioned Verner. Um, Chicharito is kind of what what sparked my uh, my thought there and my my little tangent on uh, being curious about Verner's mental health um, off the pitch because that's been a big thing that that Chicharito has been speaking out on since his move to the MLS. You know, just a lot of ups and downs from going to United, floating around, a little stint with Real, um, kind of floating around Europe and going from being, you know, uh, Manchester United's, you know, kind of top guy for a little while um, to sort of drifting off and and falling off. And um, he's opened up quite a bit about what that can do to you mentally as a player uh, and has been really outspoken about players' mental health over the past season, season and a half. And to see him come out and get off to such a good start this season. And like you mentioned, just looking like he's having fun while playing. Um, I did catch his hat trick, uh, a couple nights ago against, uh, New York Red Bulls. And he just looked like he was having a blast until he started getting some, some calf cramps. Um, but, (laughs) but go on with, uh, with the rest of your cheers here.
1: So that's my second cheer. And actually I'm going to do a third cheer as well. Uh, the app I use most in this world, uh, the thing I actually use most in this world probably is Spotify for music. And for their owner to come out and say that he wants to buy Arsenal from Stan Kroenke is huge in my opinion. Like, Because uh, I don't know anything about the owner of Spotify, but I know he's better than Stan Kroenke. Yep. Like Just to review some of the subsidiary teams that uh, Stan Kroenke owns, the Los Angeles Rams, NFL, Denver Nuggets, NBA, Colorado Avalanche, NHL Colorado Rapids, which is uh, I think they're just called the National Lacrosse. Uh, it's it's professional lacrosse. Uh, excuse me, Colorado Rapids, which is soccer. Then Colorado Mammoth, which is the lacrosse. Uh, Arsenal men and women's, and then they have the Los Angeles Gladiators and the Los Angeles Gorillas, um, which I think those are like esports. I could be mistaken with the Gladiators. Um, yeah, it's, like, Overwatch and something else. So, yeah, so, anyway, so, this dude, like, just dabbles in whatever the fuck he wants, doesn't really care about any of it. Like, it's, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's dollars in income. So be it, like, he has the money to do it, and he might have the know-how to put someone in charge that can, like, capitalize most for him and for his fan base, but I think we've seen over the last week Especially like if there's one thing Arsenal's going to beat Tottenham at this year, besides for that one game when uh, uh, Eric Lamella, Coco had the Rabona and then also had the two yellows to go off on a red where they lost. Like besides that, like the only thing that they're going to beat Tottenham at this year is the amount of people and the amount of supporters that they have actually going to to the stadium and showing up in support for "Get the fuck out of our place." And that's what they did with Sam Cronky. I think they had over sixty-five thousand people um, in North London at Arsenal at Arsenal Stadium. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, definitely huge that the guy from Spotify is blowing up even more so than it has two or three years ago. And that guy, like, if he can single-handedly purchase Arsenal, like, that would be huge. But I don't think that Sam Cronky would ever sell them. But you never know. So
0: yeah, I would love to see all those. All those American owners get pressured out uh, by the fans and the boards and and whatnot, um, shareholders, but we'll see. Greed always seems to, seems to find a way to win, but yeah, one of the most hated men in sports. Uh, while I was living down in St. Louis, he moved the Rams to L.A., and a group of people paid for a halftime Super Bowl ad, which is crazy money. I don't even know how much, but crazy, like millions of dollars just to shit on the guy. The, the, the slogan of the commercial was slam Stan. And it basically just talked about how big of a dirtbag he is. Um, so that's just one of the franchises that he owns that hate him that much. Uh, the other biggest being, or the biggest being Arsenal and their fans just stormed the grounds. Um, basically calling for, for him to leave. So, uh, not a very well liked guy. Hopefully he'll, um, get out of sports as quickly as possible, but who knows.
1: Definitely. Um, so I do not really have any real good boos this week. Uh, I had this one written down, but my, uh, so this is more of a future boo because of uh, Mines, uh, coming up with a one zero victory over uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, so I had a boo because Bayern Munich is about ready to win their ninth Bundesliga title. Like, I feel like it's a powerhouse. Um so I wanted to booze them, but that might actually have to come this week, so I might have the same boo next week. Okay. Um, if only Keegan someone would come up with an idea where like the best teams like join their own league and <laughs> play each other. Like, Stop wouldn't it. that be great? To he get rid it. of like this whole thing where like Bayern Bayern Munich is a powerhouse. Like Bruce Dortmund and and RB Leipzig are cute for a few days, a few weeks, you know, and then after that it's all Bayern. So wouldn't that be good, like for them, like PSG, and then like Real Madrid, and uh, like I don't know, maybe Atletico Madrid, maybe even uh, Barcelona. If those guys
0: like all joined together and created their own league. Well, folks, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, we gotta go.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so that's my boo of the week. It's just that Bayern is a powerhouse, and I thought they were gonna take it last weekend, but they didn't. So this yeah. weekend. I don't know how many in a row that is. I want to say nine in a row. Is their
0: ninth straight Bundesliga title? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and it it is a bummer because Dortmund showed so much promise this year and a lot of their talent will likely leave at the end of this season. And then it'll just be like Jude Bellingham, um, who will be the darling, who kind of keeps them up there, sort of flirting with Bayern. Uh, You know, Leverkusen were were up there as well as uh, Leipzig. You know, just sort of... Sort of hanging out there teasing fans like, all right we, we might just win it this year, but the cream always rises to the top, and uh, unfortunately that <laughs> and unfortunately, Byron will win there, yeah, their ninth or however many in a row it's been and um, yeah, I mean you see that in Lagoon, you see that obviously in La liga too um, and even Serie a with with Juve... Uh, winning I I believe like 12 in a row until this year looks like Inter will win it so that's why Serie A is the best because you know they're switching things up now even (laughs) even, out the playing field a little bit just took a few just took a few years of corruption Um, but yeah you got it you got any belt this week we're we're pretty short on like real bangers this week
1: I do. I have. Uh, I actually posted it on Twitter. Uh, Ezekiel Barcos uh, from Atlanta United in that MLS uh, free kick, probably ten yards outside the eighteen, uh, hit the wall, and a defender was about ready to come up and smoke it, and he like cut the guy off and just bangarang that thing home in a upper ninety beautiful shot. Like, yeah, definitely in my opinion, the Belter of the week. And I've been saying this the entire last what week and a half mls is home of the belters like it's (laughs) official i don't even like the mls that much but i'm gonna start watching it more just for the belters so here we are what about you keeks do you have a belter or anything
0: i don't i don't this week but uh, i'm with you man poor defense leads to exciting goals which (laughs) is the only thing mls can can provide um so yeah that's that's all I got this week uh we were gonna talk Norway starting eleven for the euros, but we wanted to really dive into the swiss system and 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 talk about that uh as a little bit of a a super league hangover um just something important that shouldn't be swept under the rug um, continue to hold these you know these governing bodies UEFA and FIFA um you know responsible for for putting the sport and the culture and the fans and the players ahead of, of you know, capital at the end of the day. So um, that's all I got this week. Tobes, you got anything, uh, any closing remarks? Nope. All right. Well, we'll Not be back that. with uh, with Norway next week and then, you know, our, our usual recap and our usual news. Again, give us a follow. Um, Twitter, Instagram, at Brews and Belters.
1: And we'll see you next Tuesday.